Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try to tell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents moms too? Savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations, that really turned out well. I'm really good job. I'm really, really, I'm really. You know, I wish I'd thought of that. I never thought anyone would. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're broadcasting here on WLCB 101.5 FM, based in the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, or you're thinking about becoming one, this show is for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I've counseled lots of startups and small businesses over the past 30 years, and I've also helped start at least nine different businesses. So the Sandy Entrepreneur Show has two goals. First, to share helpful information and resources. If I can help just one entrepreneur out there not make some of the mistakes that I've made myself or that I've seen, then I know I've been successful. And the the other goal of the show is to inspire because I found at least that being an entrepreneur is sometimes confusing. It's often lonely. Sometimes you have no idea if you're on the right track or not or where to turn for good advice. So every week on the show, I have guests who are willing to share their stories and their advice. This week's guest is Erica Lacroix. She's the president of Easy Breathe Healthy Home Solutions. Now, Erica grew up alongside her father's foundation repair business in Cleveland, Ohio. All grown up with a family of her own, improving people's homes is still in her blood. The purpose and passion behind Easy Breathe aligns directly with Erica's desire to provide the highest quality of living for her children. And the creation of Easy Breathe has significantly improved her family's quality of life at home. So she's committed to helping other families experience the Easy Breathe difference. Outside of work, Erica enjoys taking walks, hiking up hills, and skiing down them. When not shuttling her three boys from place to place, sounds like some of it is uh, hockey, Erica, from what we were talking about before the show started. Um, and I can relate to that. It seems like just yesterday I was shuttling, uh, doing, doing the same thing. But she says when that's not, when she's not doing that, you might find her on her yoga mat. Erica, thanks so much for being on the show this week. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Thank you, Doris. It's good to be here. So tell us first um, about your business, Easy Breathe. What, what do you sell? And who, who do you sell your products to? Who needs your products? Easy Breathe is a freestanding home ventilation system. The unit is sourced in the lowest level of the structure, so oftentimes in basements and in crawl spaces or just on the slab if there's no you know, below-grade foundation. Um, and by creating air exchanges, we're able to significantly improve the indoor air quality within the confines of the home exhausting all hosts of particulate matter, pollutants, danders, moisture, um, really balancing out the home and creating a much healthier indoor living environment than without a basement or a crawl space ventilation system. 
Uh, we sell this unit to contractors all over the country that offer it to their homeowners and their customers. We also offer it direct to customers in the areas where we may not have coverage. But we work with about 350 uh, through a network of about 350 contractors, dealers, installers that carry our product and service the various locations throughout the country. Wow. So uh, who are your customers? Are they mostly residential or is this also appropriate for commercial or industrial spaces as well? Well, it's interesting. We, we really focus on the homeowner market because that's what we know best. But we have worked with all sorts of commercial applications, you know, for example, daycare centers, nail salons, veterinary clinics, um, shelters, boarding facilities for animals. So um, smoking lounges, you know, cigar bars, places oh. where there's a lot of contamination that, you know, within the confines of the of the building. One of the, the caveats of this business is we do require that we're working directly with the owner of the building. So that sometimes, you know, if you're leasing the, the land, leasing the building, the owner's not too thrilled about investing. So we kind of run up against some challenges when, you know, the leaseholder, you know, really wants to install this, but we do need the approval of the landlord. So we can run into some issues there when we're dealing with commercial spaces, but, you know, creating air exchanges, there is no argument in the indoor air quality or the building science world to say that that is not a good thing. Uh, there used to be a debate years ago whether to ventilate or not to ventilate, but in the last you know couple decades, everybody's on board with including ventilation in any sort of enclosed space. It's now the debate is how much to ventilate, right? Yeah. What is the appropriate amount of ventilation? So um, it's nice to see the industry, you know, getting more and more open to including ventilation in the conversation. Well, it's interesting that you say that. It's kind of, I'm kind of jumping ahead here in terms of, uh, you know, just just the logical sequence of of what I'd planned to ask. But you know, there's been a lot in the news, at least recently, that I've noticed about ventilation and COVID, and mm-hmm. um, how if school like classrooms, for example and spaces in schools or nursing homes um, would ventilate more than there's, there's a lot less likelihood of, of the transmission of the virus. Is that, is that something that's impacted your business or it just seems like it must. Absolutely. And ventilation is finally getting its due in the, you know, mainstream coverage Ventilation is absolutely one of the recommendations to reducing exposure levels. Um, Our product itself in the testing that we've done, we have proven over and over again that a structure with an easy breathe will have 85% less airborne particles than the structure before easy breathe is installed. We've done testing for 20 years and every time we do it, we come up with the same range. And wow. that just tells you how, how, how tight our buildings are. They don't naturally yeah. breathe. So by yep. creating a path of escape, we're able to reduce those airborne contaminants by 85%. And what we know of COVID, those airborne droplets, those infectious nuclei remain airborne. Um, we're learning more and more from studies across the world that say that these, these tiny, tiny infectious nuclei can remain in the air for distances up to 60 feet. 
So the business of social distancing. <laughs> so, so, is- so much for the signs that say, uh, keep your distance, the little stickers on the floor with six feet, right? That's a right. factor of 10. Exactly. And all of those are, are you know, they're manageable um, suggestions because you just don't want to be standing in some in front of someone when they sneeze, you know, get, having some distance is, is, is a good thing. I'm not, you know, saying it's not, it's just that they remain in the air for a very long time. And those original studies, I think there was a German meatpacking facility and there was a, a, a choir concert out of the Northwest somewhere in Seattle or Portland where they saw large super spreader events early on and tried to figure out what does this mean? Well, and a lot of it, what it, what it was telling us was these particles can remain airborne for a long time without proper ventilation. Wow. So the ventilation rates um, in schools and hospitals and buildings, specifically in airplanes, you know, the airplanes, that's how they were able to get the, you know, permission to start flying again, because they increased the, the rate with which they exchanged the air and ran the air through all sorts of filters. So by decreasing the viral load in the air, you're able to, you know, take that risk level down. So absolutely, we spent years and years educating folks on the benefits of ventilation and explaining why it's important and some of the health concerns related to it if you're living in a home without proper ventilation. And nowadays, when we talk to folks, it's like they already know that with all the (laughs) stuff that's gone on the last year and a half. Yeah, we're not educating so much. People know when they call us, I've got to increase my ventilation rates, I can tell because it's gained such, you know, popularity. This is a, this is a discussion, direct response to recognizing that the relationship between the air we breathe has a direct effect on our health. Well, so, all right, so that's pretty clear with COVID. Um, talk about the average homeowner though. I mean, I think people know about carbon monoxide maybe in radon, but beyond that, um, you know, what are some of the issues with air quality in the home? I mean, what what should people be thinking about or know about? Um, well, if you think about the way we build homes today, uh, we build a hole in the ground, we fill it with concrete, and then we build a home on top of it. We button it up, we seal it tight, and then we fill it with all sorts of furnishings. And then we live in it and we breathe and we shower and we cook and we clean, and we have all of the components inherent in the building process. All these toxic chemicals like glues, epoxies, resins, paint, carpet, upholstery, all of these off-gas, and that's a natural process, and they can off-gas for six months, they can off-gas for two years, certain products off-gas for 20 years. So, That's not anything new. What's new is that we're built homes so tight that all of these things get trapped inside and without proper ventilation or without the old drafty windows like grandma had where you could see the (laughs) curtains blowing in the wind. You know, we've got double, triple pane windows and new roofs and new siding and new doors and spray foam insulation and all of these things that you know, help with our energy efficiency, which is a great thing. But couple that with the building practices and what we introduce into our home, we actually have a toxic cocktail of an indoor air environment filled with chemicals, um, VOCs, which is volatile organic compounds, anything with a scent, anything with a fragrance, 
is considered a VOC. Cleaning products, um, moisture from cooking and cleaning and bathing. Yeah, we have I'm sure mold so the standards. Yep, yep. And, and a lot and of houses and beauty I think have, have mold. Oh, really? Health and beauty Oh, yeah, products? think about nail polish and hairspray. Um, those those chemicals, you know, they linger in the air without proper ventilation. And then they then they combine with other chemicals. And what we're learning is they when they combine, they create new chemicals. So it's just this ongoing, you know, experiment going on in our homes, all of which, all of which is detrimental to for humans to breathe. Well, and I I'm not sure I've seen, maybe there are studies that have been done, but uh, my guess is that that there the studies that have been done are probably more limited than they should be um, well we have a study the epa um the environmental protection agency has when we first started into this business about 20 years ago they said that the average the air in the average american home was three to five times more polluted than outdoor air and that, like I said, that was about 15 or so years ago. They came out with another one. They updated this around 2017. And now they're saying that the air in the average American home is a minimum of five times more polluted than the outdoor air. And in some instances, it can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air. So this problem has only gotten worse wow. as this quest for energy efficiency has gotten greater and greater. And, and and again, I don't think energy efficient homes are a bad thing. I think they're wonderful. They, you know, they help us with our energy costs. They're more efficient. But what we have to do is we've got to, we have to introduce the ventilation discussion. We have to talk about the the problems that it could potentially create, and then offer solutions so we have a balanced approach. Yeah, very very interesting. Well, let's go back to your business itself. Talk about how the business got started and when. What I love about our story is that this product was created in direct response to a customer's need. And I love that because we didn't just make a widget that would break in four years and you'd have to come buy another widget. Um, this was really in, in, in terms of the foundation repair business. The customers, we had been in business about 20 years. My father started a company back in 1978. And about 20 years into this history, he started getting feedback from customers that even though the, the foundation was fixed, the water was gone, there was no longer an issue, they still had that musty odor. There was still uh -huh. an issue of the airborne dampness that no amount of pipes and drains and you know all this system that was in the ground redirecting the actual liquid water the only thing that we had in our toolbox was a dehumidifier to help combat that airborne dampness the musty odor that and and those were relatively moderately effective sometimes we'd have to offer two or three or even four dehumidifiers to actually get the job done and then we had a whole nother complaint people saying that now their electric bill was hundreds of dollars more a month so it, you know, the frustration of this and the cycle of the seasons, we would see it ebb and flow and ebb and flow. And finally, he said, you know, there's got to be something better. There must be a real solution to help these people. And we went to school and started researching and started experimenting with foundation ventilation in the early, in the early, you know, 2000, turn of the century. And by 2002, 
we had a working model that we were installing with all of the foundation repair jobs that were being done here locally. And within months, the feedback we got was, oh my gosh, this fixed it for, you know, these people had been struggling for years with some of these issues. And, you know, within, within weeks, we were getting phone calls saying, it feels like a brand new house. The odor is gone. The air feels better. So we started with just a product for a specific industry to a specific audience, upgrading existing customers with this product and created a website to help people understand what it was and what they were upgrading their system to include. And we started getting interest from all over the country. So this organically grew into a product that had a very specific application without even recognizing that we could offer this to you know a much wider audience. And that's what we started doing in about 2005. We became incorporated as our own separate entity and it's we haven't looked back since. Wow. Well, at what point did you connect the dots that, okay, people wanted to, people with foundation work wanted to get rid of the musty smell to, wow, this is, you know, this is something that helps with lots of indoor pollutants. You know, I I guess I wouldn't have initially connected all those dots. Yeah, that's a great question, Doris. We didn't either. Again, this was developed for a very specific application for a specific audience. We were seeing great results. And again, listening to the customer and getting feedback, you know, that's part of our culture. We always follow up with every customer every time, ask them how their experience was. And the feedback we were getting with regards to the easy breathe ventilation system that they now had in their home were far beyond just removing the musty odor or making the basement feel less damp and much more comfortable whether it be temperature or humidity levels, but we were getting feedback from folks telling us that their children didn't need their inhalers as often now that the easy breathe was in, or their husband no longer snored at night and he could finally get a good night rest. And one of my very favorites was when we got some feedback from a homeowner that told us that Uncle Joe could now come over and play poker on Saturday nights with the family. He was never able to come visit because the family had a slew of cats, three or four cats, a dozen litter pans, and he was very much allergic. So whenever they hosted poker night, he was unable to attend. But since their easy breed, he was able to attend and spend hours in their home and not have any sort of symptomatic symptoms to the allergy, even though the cats were still there, the litter pans were still there, but it was all getting exhausted before it threatened the upstairs living environment. So that's when we realized we're this is changing people's lives. You know, um, another one that comes to mind, a gentleman left, you know, said, I was very hesitant. I read all the reviews, but I just wasn't sure how this one little unit could help. But we, we were at our wits end. We had two little boys. They were always sick with, they had asthma and allergies. They were always taking their inhalers. They were always tired. And I thought, well, if this even helps a little bit, he said, and I was blown away. It's been in our house for three months. I'm not saying it cured their asthma and allergies, but we have two little boys full of life and energy that can run and play. And I believe it's directly related because they have a much better air quality that they're breathing. It's not irritating them as much. And, you know, those are the things, Doris, I love what I do because to be able to impact people's lives that way is just a blessing that I did not see forthcoming with, you know, this machine that created air exchanges to get rid of musty odors. And here we are 
you know, helping children run and play and be healthy again is just, you know, it's such a blessing. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Um, and it's, you know, I love this story, Erica, because there are lots of entrepreneurs out there who have this idea that they're going to change the world, you know, and they have this idea of a product and it's all about how to launch the product. Your story is is really very different than that. It's, it's, Hey, we came up with a specific thing and we found really through partnering with our customers, we found a way to completely pivot our business and expand it in a whole different direction than we ever thought. And, you know, it occurs to me, there's, there may be more than a few businesses out there who actually might be able to, do something similar, mm-hmm. um, but it requires really listening to your customers and and getting their feedback to be able to listen carefully to it. Absolutely. Listening to our customers has been one of the um, easiest ways to grow our business, to change our business, expand our business, and find new avenues for growth um, because they're using the product every day and in and, and, and our customer base has continued to grow. So you have more people providing feedback. And, and to go back to the first the question you asked, like, when did you know that this was something, you know, bigger and better than just basements? I mean, that's exactly what my dad said to me at one point. He said, given this feedback, who knew that we would be affecting the upper levels of the home or affecting yeah. people's health? He said, right. we need to learn more about this. So not only hearing that from customers, but we had to, you know, take a chance and start educating ourselves and going to school and learning what all of, you know, building performance and indoor air quality and home performance and really educating ourselves to know what is, what is the easy breeze net effect when we start evacuating air out of the lowest level? You know, what is the rate of exchange and all these different tests and working with HVAC companies and engineers and, and, and inspectors. And we, it took us about two years to really wrap our arms around what it is that we're providing and then creating, you know, the marketing piece and the, to go with it and, you know, training. So that, those were some real big areas of growth that we truly embraced. Um, Not just saying, well, you know, not listening to this, this is our bread and butter. We know this works and we don't, you know, maybe this is just a fluke. We didn't say that. We said our customers are giving us this feedback for a reason. How wonderful is this? If we could help more people like this, but we really need to know, what it is that we're doing. And along that along that way, you know, we found out there are limitations. You know, when is easy breathe a fit? When is it not a fit? And that was some trial and error and making sure that we made that available to everyone we spoke with and really, you know, having an honest conversation with every homeowner about, you know, how easy breathe is going to work and is this going to be a match for your home? This isn't yeah. a one trick pony, right? So right. again, that honest and open communication and listening and really communicating and hearing from, you know, what the customer says is, um, has been very fruitful for us. Well, you know, the other angle that's pretty interesting is that you went from a foundation repair business to one where your sales model is really quite different. Now you have this whole army of contractors who are licensed somehow or authorized? I mean, talk about how you find these contractors and how you manage the quality of what they do. 
I mean, that, that's quite a, a wily herd of cats in and of itself, it strikes Yes, me. yes. Well, luckily for us, this again happened organically when we started our website and we started getting inquiries from all over, not just in our hometown to our existing customer base, but we were getting inquiries from all over the country. And so we were making Easy Breathe available and we would ship them a unit and send them an installation manual. And we realized at that time, um, in the early 2000s, about 60% of those never actually made it installed, right? Oh, and you're it, kidding, it was, really? It was pre the DIY push. And, you know, it was like anything else. They're excited about it. It sat in the garage and then a couple months went by and they never put it in. And now they're, they're in need of money. So they wanted to return it. And we saw a large volume of returns with this self-installation model. Now, so we said, okay, this is a lot of work and this isn't giving us what we need. So how can, what can we learn and how can we be better? So we started reaching out to local contractors to help us when we recognized that, you know, the, 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 the do it yourself self-install model wasn't really working to anyone's advantage. These homeowners that needed it never ended up putting it in. And then we ended up returning these and it was all this you know, very inefficient. So partnering with local contractors became another avenue of our business. And then they wanted to offer this to their customers. So we created a whole dealer arm of the business and hired someone to manage that. We offered, you know, in-house training or on-location training. We certified every one of our contractors. They had to be licensed and bonded. It couldn't just be, you know, two men in a truck with a shingle. We, you know, we were really, um, you know, very conscientious about who we partnered with. And that was what grew this whole dealership part of our business throughout the United States. And now it's interesting because as I, as I talk about our first experience with the self-install option, we find ourselves today, and it was really in response to the pandemic, we, be, we made that more available. We always had it as sort of a you know, uh, a quiver in our, in our pack. If somebody, you know, would say, Hey, I'm a contractor. I don't want anybody working in my house. I can install this myself. We would make an exception and we would, we would allow a self-install and very rare occasions when we knew it was someone that preferred to do the work. They were, had a contractor background, but during COVID, nobody was having anybody come in their homes. And since the early two thousands, I mean, just watch HGTV, right? There's DIY shows on everything. So there's a whole new generation of very, accomplished homeowners in the DIY world. So yeah. we, re, we reintroduced the DIY kit in direct response to the pandemic in early 2020. And I'd say, I'd say 60% of the units that we sold in 2020 were self-installs. I noticed that there are several YouTube videos out there that mm-hmm. show people how to do the install for those DIYers. And it's very simple. It was just the, the, um, availability of the tool that you know you need to drill the hole through the wall it's very similar to a dryer vent the dryer vents to the outside with the flappy vent on the outside easy breathe has the same idea but it's a six inch hole and that's a little bit more rare of a tool than a four inch that most dryers Uh are so that really is the make it or break it if they can do a diy or not if they have access to that tool other than that part it's very simple, assembling the unit, mounting it, but you know, drilling that penetration through the wall, that's usually the deal breaker yeah. um, on folks. Well, that, yes, you know. 
as you say that, I'm not sure I'd be doing that probably. Right, so, right. And I'm me I neither. Do a lot of DIY stuff, but I, that's dr drilling holes in my foundation is probably not what I would be doing. Erica, you know, one of the things that fascinates me is that you're in a world with contractors and. You know, you started from a family business of people fixing foundations and doing things like earth moving and concrete. And that's typically a man's world, right? Talk about how you were, um, as a woman operating in, in traditionally a man's world, how has that presented opportunities for you and challenges? You know, Doris, that is that is very interesting. And I look back on my life and I feel like I was preparing for this my whole life. Um, uh, as a young girl, I preferred, you know, riding dirt bikes and ATVs and playing in the mud and riding horses and being at the barn. Um, I never really played with dolls. And, you know, my, <laughs> my one aunt was a doll collector and she would always give me dolls for Christmas. And my mom would get so upset because they'd end up with like markers on them and their hair would be cut. Like, so I've always kind of been that tomboy. I was the only girl on an all boys soccer team, you know, growing up. So I, I think that I, it, within that dynamic, I operate very well, but it's interesting because in the early years, you could see people were like, whoa, she knows what she's talking about. Oh my goodness. And, I, and they were surprised. So although it is, there have been many um, training sessions and conferences and meetings where I am the only female there, and it didn't necessarily feel awkward to me because I was very much used to being the only female there. I, I only have one brother. So in my family, you know, my only sibling is a boy. And, and ironically enough, I have three boys of my own. So oh, um, definitely come familiar with that, with that male energy and being the only female but I would say the most, I would get that reaction from people where, you know, does she really know what she's talking about? And within the first few minutes, I found it was very important to make sure they did know that I knew what I was talking about, because if it took a, a, enough time had gone by, they would make their own assumptions and they weren't even listening anymore. So I realized right away, I needed to talk about my journey, what we'd learned, how do we know the science behind our, our system and really get that out front? Because once I had their attention and the respect, it became, um, I think I had more engagement because it was something novel. They're not used to watching a, a woman present on sort of this manly construction world. So once I was able to overcome that initial pushback or the initial stereotype, I think I was able to create a much more intimate connection with the audience because it was novel it was so different that I think they appreciated it in a way that you know if I was a man up there giving that same kind of presentation I think it wouldn't have had kind of the impact so if you're were you were coaching another woman in a, a more of a traditional man's world what are some of the things you might suggest to her to immediately overcome those, you know, I, I don't want to say biases, but they are biases and we all have biases. We all have biases. It, it's just a question, I think, of whether they're right there at the surface or whether they're deep down. So how, what advice might you give to 
to a woman to try to overcome that quickly and, and seize the initiative? I would say gain as much knowledge as you can, because I do believe you, you're right. There is, there is stereotypes there. Everyone comes with their own biases. So when you're standing up front or you're in a meeting and it's your turn to talk, you know, you have no idea what everyone is thinking. You have no idea. So the best thing I would suggest is that know your stuff and let people know right away that you do know your stuff and gain the respect based on a knowledge base. There are times where if it was a tough crowd, I would even call them out. Like, and I'm only, I'm a very small woman. I'm only five feet tall. So I would crack a joke and I would make light of it. I'd say, yeah, who knew that, you know, this five foot tall firecracker, you know, knows you know what she's talking about when it comes to you know pouring a concrete wall or how many courses this basement should be or you know these kinds of things and, and you'd get a chuckle out of the room because it sort of addresses that elephant and in, in a in a humorous way and then lets everyone kind of release it like oh yeah, yeah who would have thought and you know and yeah so just being honest and being playful because I believe for me being a woman in this has in this world has really been an advantage because it's refreshing it's different there's always going to be the hard nut to crack, but it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, there's always a hard nut to crack in the room. Right. So, you know, yeah. don't let those exceptions um, intimidate you or, or become the focus. You know, most of the people in the room are going to appreciate something a little different. And I'll never forget after a presentation with a very large group of contractors, I had one of them. Um, he had been in business for like 45 years in this industry. And he said to me, you know, I've seen your product. But what I really learned today is the commitment and the enthusiasm that you have. He said, my advice for you is to get out in front as many people as you can, because I thought I knew what Easy Breed was all about. But until I met you and I can feel your passion and your commitment and all of the studies that you've done and, you know, this you you need to get out there talking to people. And I thought that was one of the biggest compliments because this was from an old school contractor. And he was so complimentary to me. And that that really, um, I stood a little taller. I felt a little bit you know, more confident. <laughs> and I, I brought that with me. And I thought, okay, because sometimes I would go to these trainings and I would let the staff or some of the other people. And I made a point, I'm going to open every one of these so people can meet me. They can, you know, that transference of feelings, that passion, the knowledge. So, so I'm not just in the background. And I put myself right out up there in the front and, you know, it served me well. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just envisioning, um, you, you know, I think you have a personality that is uniquely suited to the business in that you came from, you know, you probably knew your, your father's business and were chatting with guys in, in the business and some of the, you know, other folks that, that would help him do the, do the business. And um, so you, you, you may be uniquely suited. Um, I'm just thinking there may be women out there who probably aren't quite as, as confident about that. I mean, were, were you always that confident in, in addressing those situations or is that just something that you've grown into over the years? It's absolutely something I've grown into. I think every experience 
has helped me get more and more confident. And you're right. I did work in the production office filing work cards. That was my very first job. So I was in and around the vernacular of, you know, foundation repair and the business and contractors. So I was very comfortable with that. And again, like I said, I, I was well suited that I I, I lived in a boy's world, even as a little, as a girl, I, I was like, I like to be dirty, playing in the mud, you know, um, I can so, relate. I'm nodding. Cause that's me too. So, yeah. so I think, um, the confidence has definitely gotten better. The more I learned and the more I, um, and I, and I realized I went along with the contractors I went into basements. I went into crawl spaces. I made it my job to learn as much as I possibly could. So not just, you know, leading from behind the desk, but leading in a way that I learned every step. Mm -hmm. I did learn that from my father who up until very recently, every summer he would take a week or two weeks and he would go out with the crew as a new recruit. And they had no idea he was the owner of this giant company. And he was the low man on the totem pole hauling buckets of concrete up and down stairs. And it wasn't until the end of the two weeks or the end of the week that they actually realized he was the owner of this company. So oh, I think wow. the example that he set for me was really important that how could you ever manage or lead someone unless you intimately know the job? So yeah. I was involved in every aspect of this learning about Easy Breed, the ventilation aspects, home performance, you know, I wanted to gather as much knowledge as I possibly could so I could present it in a, you know, concise, educated way. Well, I think that's quite brave of what your father did. And I think just really underscores, I think, a theme that you've emphasized through our interview, which is really, really listening to employees, listening to customers being humble enough because I'm just imagining, okay, so, so your, so your dad is humble enough to go haul buckets of concrete. That's one piece of it. Much harder, I would guess, would be listening to the guys talk about stuff that they don't like about that's happening in the, in the company and being able to sit and listen to that and not be able to respond and just take it and process it. Right. Undercover boss. He was doing that long before that show was ever aired or an idea. I watched that, you know, recently and I think, oh my gosh, he did this 20 years ago. But I think that's where you find the most valuable information um, because the, they are your front line. They're the front line. They're interacting with customers. You know, what is their feedback? How can this be better? And, and his dedication to that has definitely rolled over into how we run Easy Breathe. And we're always looking for ways that we can be better. And who better to know that than the people on the ground, interfacing with customers, installing that unit. We've remodeled, we've re-engineered the model, uh, the unit at least three times since its first inception back in the early 2000s. And it was all based on installer and customer feedback, making it more user-friendly, making it easier to install, making it early easier to service, and really taking that to heart because after all, those are the people that you want to be your biggest raving fans are the people out there interacting with your customer. So if you're not listening to them and making their life easier and improving every day, I, I just don't know how you grow and you expand if you're not committed to being better tomorrow than we are today. And, and who better to know that, right? Than the guys doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Erica, you mentioned something 
uh, when we chatted before before the show started about uh, there being some advantage to a woman business owner in a home improvement world, because more and more women are often the decision makers in terms of the, you know, the buying and the, and, and man, even managing some of the home improvement projects. Talk about that trend a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's a real win-win for any sort of, you know, home improvement company to have a female in a leadership position that is, is, has the ability to drive change and listen to customers and make those sort of suggestions because we are the audience. Um, 80% of the home improvement decisions, the decision maker is the female homeowner. Um, they're really driving these decisions. And there's lots of reasons for that. Um, you know, the, the relationship that the female homeowner has with the home is oftentimes much more intimate than the, than the man, um, you know, much more intimate, recognizing, you know, what, when the, when the children are playing and what their experiences are like, if they come up from the basement and, you know, are they rubbing their eyes? You know, there's just a little bit more of an awareness in terms of the home when it comes to the female and having a female be able to offer input, everything from, you know, the marketing pieces to the sales process to the installation and then the ongoing service and support is really important because we know the things that are important because we are females. So that's really been helpful in terms of, you know, growing Easy Breathe and even the um, supporting the, the, the parent company in a lot of the questions that we have. So embrace that female leadership because she often has a much more intimate knowledge of what the customer is looking for. What would resonate with the customer? What are the customer's challenges? What are the customer's pain points? How can we overcome them? And speaking to those things that yeah. maybe a man might not know, you know, off the cuff, but the, the females, it, you know, we understand it. Well, you know, it's very interesting. There's been all this talk about we need more women in STEM, and certainly we do. And it makes me angry when I look at the venture capital world. And I think, uh, you know, barely over 2% of venture capital money goes to women-owned businesses. And those kind of in inequities drive me crazy. But, you know, you, you kind of opened up my eyes and made me start realizing that, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm the decision maker at, at my house. I'm the one who's usually able to be home to let in the plumber or mm -hmm. the dishwasher repair person or the painter. But, you know, I think back on it and I'm thinking about all the parade of different contractors over the years. And I don't remember a single female one. Um, so what an interesting, what an interesting world. We, we focus on more women in STEM and yet it strikes me, and I'm curious in, of your perspective on this, but, but, you know, more, why aren't there, isn't there a movement of more women in the trades for heaven's sake? Yeah, you know, I'm sure there's physical limitations, right? I mean, we all have to acknowledge that, but what we've found is, you know, working in teams, everyone has a strength, everyone has a weakness. And if you're able to embrace those, the team is, ben is, is benefits. Right. So 
the sum of the parts is is better than individual. So I, you know, I was encouraged recently. I saw, um, um, you know, the trucking industry again, predominantly male historically, and I've seen lately that there's a big rise in applications for female truck drivers because there's a there's a huge demand. We don't have enough truck drivers, oh, right? I mean, nobody sure. can get goods. So I was really excited to see that. Why not? You know, that's that's an even playing field, you know, why not? So I was grateful to see there are more women getting involved in some of these predominantly, you know, historically male industries. Um, I don't know, maybe they think it the works too hard, but recognizing that, you know, there's a, there's a role for everyone, truly, especially like you said, when most of the time you're interacting with other females in terms of the customer. So, you know, there, I think there's a role for everyone. And I would encourage women, the trades are, are aching right now. Um, interestingly enough, I was talking with a young lady and she is going to a school in the morning for electrical engineering. And then she goes to her regular high school. So I was asking her, how is it going? And she said, oh, well, we, we built a circuit board today. And I was so proud of her. Like, again, another young woman, she's in high school, you know, in the STEM program, and she's learning to be an electrical engineer and she's only in 11th grade. So yeah. I really encourage more females to get involved in those things. I mean, there's a demand. It's a great lifestyle. It's great, great living. So I, I, I'm with you. I think more, I, I don't, I don't understand the hesitation. Uh, luckily for me, I just sort of evolved into this position and grown with it. Uh, there really was no hesitation. It just seemed like a natural organic process for me. But I would encourage any young woman, you know, if you're if you have an interest in anything like that, pursue it. You you will be welcomed with open arms and oftentimes giving given advantages um, because I think people are looking for more for more of a diverse workforce. So there may be yeah. some opportunities for for more females. Well, you know, an interesting angle. Uh, I'm just trying to put, put pieces together. Um, is that you know I've had a couple of franchise consultants on the show, and um, it you your business I think you mentioned your family business is a is a franchise. I, I I'm wondering about your thoughts about whether women should consider maybe a franchise approach uh, for for some of these um, maybe more male related kinds of things like home improvement, kitchen, kitchen renovation, yeah, you know, all sorts of things. And, and whether there are maybe some areas in particular that might be particularly fruitful for, for women who are interested in that at all to think about. I, I think so. I know that there's all sorts of programs for, you know, minority owned businesses and female owned businesses, oftentimes there's there's money available, whether it be, you know, government grants or certain loans. Many people are looking to support minority owned businesses in ways that, you know, may provide opportunity. So I would agree. I think um, anything in the construction or trades, women are, are, are welcome. I think they have an advantage, again, knowing the customer a little bit more intimately and I think they make great leaders. I really do. So I would, I would, I'm with you. I would encourage young women or women in general looking to get back into the workforce. Maybe they're empty nesters and they're looking for something to do. You know, get on board with a successful company that offers franchise opportunities. Again, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for women. Very interesting. 
Well, we started with your business and how it's evolved. And I think uh, we're coming back full circle. Where do you see your business growing and how, what do you, what do you think it'll look like in three to five years? Well, I know that um, our online presence is expanding. We are moving into um, more smart technology, more user-friendly. Everybody wants everything on an app. They can run it from their phones. Um, creating more products for specific applications. We're working on redesigning the system we have for our garage. Garages are huge sources of contamination for the home, believe it or not. So oh, developing... Along with the EPA's suggestion, there are now um, mandates and codes changing all over the country that are requiring mechanical ventilation in some of these places that are known to be contamination sources like garages, crawl spaces, basements. So, you know, developing products in, in direct response to some of these codes changing. Um, and I think our business is growing just on the basic organic demand that people now have made that link between their indoor air quality and their health. So, you know, I don't see us slowing down anytime soon. We're kind of treading water right now, keeping up with demand. It's been, you know, a, a big couple past years with the direct response to COVID. And then looking to the future where, you know, I, I still believe every day I wake up and I think every home in America can benefit from an easy breathe. Um, you know, we can help so many people. So really just sort of expanding our reach and getting you know as many homeowners on board and contractors partnering with us and including it, you know that's the one thing I've seen that's really helped other companies grow. And I'm really committed to that. That's one of the other things I love doing is helping these contractors that we work with, helping them grow their business, and you know offering this as something that they install as an option or offering it along with their existing service. And I really support other contractors and including this in with everything they do. It's an added value. So I'm really committed to how can I help other contractors help their customers by providing this as part of existing services they offer. So from a, you know, supporting our contractors, making Easy Breathe more user-friendly, making Easy Breathe more available through our online footprint and, you know, just keeping everybody excited and and trained on the latest building codes and and you know recommendations from the government and trade organizations about the benefits of ventilation so yeah. you know the educational component and then the support so there's a lot that i look forward to i don't see us slowing down anytime soon well you know if the time has just slipped by and we really haven't talked a lot about your experience as the president of a company that was really a startup and has grown to be um, quite a successful and far-reaching business, um, and that could probably be the topic of a whole nother, <laughs> uh, a whole nother chat. But, but I'm curious, given all that, what advice would you give to others, especially women who are starting a business or thinking about starting a business? What, what are the lessons that you've learned that you would share with them? I think one of the most important things is the culture created within the company. We talk about internal customers and outside customers. Treating employees the way you want them to treat your customers is paramount. Um, the way your 
the way your, your employees are treated will come through in the way they treat their customers. So creating a, a, a world-class internal culture is very, very, very important. Also leading by example. I think that lesson my, my dad gave me, you're not, you're not too good to dig the ditch, right? Um, you cannot manage or lead people unless you're willing to do the work. And, and it's interesting because many of the many times the leaders and the managers are not necessarily the best people at doing the work mm-hmm. because their talents lie elsewhere. But at right. least knowing how it's like a, it's like a you know basket like an NBA coach or a you know NHL coach. So the the best coaches are not the best players, right? Right. So as long as you can you you can speak the language, you gain the respect of your employees by being willing to do the work, and you know, creating that culture where everyone's idea has value. And, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest things I think it's important in creating that culture is there are no mistakes. Don't get hung up on the mistakes or if something doesn't work out, because let's face it, that's going to happen more often than you're going to be, you're going to have a win or you're going to be successful. It's what you do with the mistake. And we have a vernacular in our company that we don't even call them mistakes. We call them learns because mm. every time you try something and you don't get the desired result. It's an opportunity to learn something so you can try it again, modify the approach. You're going to learn something new and then you're going to modify the approach and then you're going to achieve your objective at some point. But getting hung up on the on the mistake and whose fault it was and who idea was that and we're not going to do this again, that is a toxic environment. I think empowering everyone to make a mistake Try something different. Give yourself the opportunity to learn something and that will drive success where people feel, feel free and empowered to make decisions. Every day, I have people come in my office with an idea. It's almost like I, I expect that. I expect everybody to come in and offer me some new idea at least once a week, if not every day. And then we talk about them and then we bring it to the, bring it to the team and we implement a lot of these and most of them don't give us the desired result, but eventually we do get that desired result through try, try, try. So keeping that positive up the atmosphere and allowing people to make those decisions and celebrating a spectacular failure. We give an award out every year for the most spectacular failure. And typically it's led to something that was a big, you know, a big learn or a big growth or something that was born out of that. So in, I think that's really important. You know, I love that idea of calling a mistake or a failure, a relabeling it a learn. It's not only important, I think, for creating a healthy and vibrant corporate culture, but I think it's really important advice for entrepreneurs themselves. Mm-hmm. Um to be able to view the things that happen as a learn as opposed to a failure or a roadblock or I like speed bump better than roadblock, but I think being able to label those as learns and look for the learning is really important for those, those businesses that are just starting out. Absolutely. And and there's a certain excitement about, you know, knowing you can go to one of your leaders and offer up a suggestion and that you're going to get a chance to do it rather than it getting shot down or given to someone else. And then they take responsibility. You know, it's really important to empower and encourage your team um, because that's where, that's where, you know, the ideas come from. I mean, that's the people out there getting it done every day. Who better 
then to come up with ideas on how to improve or things to try. You know, it's interesting. I saw an article yesterday talking about the importance of cultivating an entrepreneur culture. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, Erica, the time has absolutely flown by. Uh, I've so enjoyed talking to you and learning more about your business and your world. How can people reach you or your company or learn more about your product if they're interested in either maybe connecting with you with something you've said today or just learning more about the Easy Breathe product and, and either how they can sell it or how they can have it installed in their house? Well, I agree, Doris. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I would be open to speaking with anyone about any of this that we spoke about today, whether it be the business or the product itself. My, our phone number at Easy Breathe is 1-866-822-7328. And you can also reach us at easybreathe.com. That's the letter E, the letter Z, B-R-E-A-T-H-E. Right. Thanks again for being with me this week, Erica. I've enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you, Doris. And thanks to everybody for listening. And again, a thank you. Shout out, special shout out to Erica Lacroix, who's the president of Easy Breathe Home Health Solutions, who joined us this week to talk about some of the issues related to air quality, as well as some of the issues related to women in the trades. You can find more helpful information and resources on my website, globalocityservices.com. There's a library there of blogs, tools, podcasts, and other free resources. My door is always open to anyone. Uh, I welcome questions, comments, suggestions, or I'm happy to just shoot the breeze about something maybe you heard about on one of our shows. You can email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org. I promise you'll always get an answer back from me. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring. Happy entrepreneuring.